Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 187. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulation and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. A lot happened during June, but this show was busy with Toxic Mail Month. The two things that most stood out in June was the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and this rash of mass shootings that have taken place all across America. Everyone in the Catholic world has rejoiced over Roe, as well they should, but just about everything that can be said has been said. We all agree that overturning Roe v. Wade is a victory for the Sacred Heart, Where there is little agreement, though, is what can or should be done about these mass shootings and the Second Amendment. That's what we're dealing with in this episode. I try never to do this, but the Biden economy has this apostolate against the ropes. Virtually everything used to keep this apostolate in business is crushing me. 
Up to now, when the apostle hasn't generated enough revenue to cover expenses, I paid for it out of pocket. That's no longer an option because our personal income is only about $2,000 per month and we're being crushed. I realize that this economy is hurting you too, but most of you have more disposable income than we do. I need your help because we're having to choose which essentials we can afford on a month-by-month basis. There are two ways you can help. In the show notes of each episode at cantankerouscatholic.com, there are a list of links under headings Earn Money Online, Courses and Tools, Health and Wellness, Trading and Investing, Podcasting, and Miscellaneous. These links are to products and services that may interest you, and I get a commission if you purchase them. As always, I won't recommend anything I believe is shady, and to the best of my knowledge, you can trust these links. The other way you can help is by clicking on the link that says help keep the Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate alive. You can make a one-time gift, but you'll also have the option of making yours a monthly gift. Please make it a monthly gift if you can. Food shortages are already becoming apparent, and rolling blackouts are coming soon. We're elderly and ill. We need help, and I thank you in advance for your generosity. The spate of mass shootings in late May began with the Texas Elementary School shooting and turned into multiple events in June, which seems to have culminated into another mass shooting in Illinois on Independence Day. Consequently, we're now hearing from every leftist communist in the Democratic Party how we need to enact all sorts of fixes, and they're even floating the idea of repealing the Second Amendment. So let's talk a bit about background and reality. There's a big movement on for having a database full of gun owners, a public database that gives the name and address of each gun owner. So far, the judiciary have kept that from happening, but in New York, they're building a public database of everyone who buys ammunition, which is essentially the same thing as a gun ownership database. Way back in the 90s, I said this was going to happen when I was writing under my real name. I rightly surmised that the newly enacted sex offender database was simply a way to test the waters. Sex offenders were targeted because they are essentially powerless to fight back. The sex offender database was clearly unconstitutional, but we only had two strict constructionists on the high court then. Scalia and Thomas, and both men dissented from the majority of liberal justices about the sex offender database being constitutional. But the diabolical left chose to experiment on sex offenders not because they had an interest in protecting the public, but because they wanted to set a legal precedent and also see how the people on the database would be treated by others. The bottom line is there has not been one single case where having that database has prevented any sex offenses anywhere in the country. But what has happened, to the elation of the demonic left, is that many of the people in the sex offender registry have been assaulted, driven from their homes, and a few have even been murdered. 
If the left eventually get their gun owner's database, and they probably will, then every gun owner in the nation will be subject to harassment, burglary, and even assault and death. Having the gun owner's database won't prevent a single gun crime, but it will open the door for criminals to steal guns and for the government to easily confiscate them. Let's go from here with a reading of the Second Amendment. It says, A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The very first thing to note is what the framers intended with the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment wasn't written so you could target practice, go hunting, or even carry a firearm for your own protection. I'll be the first to admit that those are some wonderful peripheral benefits of the Second Amendment, but none of those benefits are why it was included in the Constitution. The whole reason for the Second Amendment is so we can be armed in case the government ceases to be a constitutional government and becomes one of tyranny. In other words, this amendment exists so we can defend ourselves against the government, period. And it's looking like we may soon see the wisdom of the framers. The second thing to focus on this amendment are the last four words and the punctuation. The last four words are, shall not be infringed. The punctuation is a period. There's no comma, semicolon, or colon. There's a period. In order to make any gun law whatsoever, there would have to be a comma that follows for an exception to the words, shall not be infringed. But there isn't a comma. A comma would allow the constitutional exceptions to read things like, except where people we adjudge to be mentally imbalanced, or except for people with a questionable social media profile, or except for people who don't have a criminal record. There's a period after the word infringe, so every American citizen has the right to keep and bear arms, and there can be no law to the contrary. That's one of the benefits of American citizenship. But Joe Biden said democracy is not perfect. It's never been good, perfect. He said this during a Memorial Day address at the 154th National Memorial Day observance at Arlington National Cemetery. He also said the Constitution, the Second Amendment, was never absolute. And this guy's the president? Well, not really, but he's in the Oval Office. There isn't one single gun law in the books that is one, constitutional, and two, can prevent a gun-related crime. The very first gun control law was enacted in 1928. The law made it illegal to own a fully automatic weapon. The gun of choice for bootleggers and organized crime then was the Thompson submachine gun, called the Tommy Gun. Congress had the intention of removing access to the Tommy gun from criminals. How'd that work out? Well, today only the military and law enforcement have fully automatic weapons. Oh, and so do the criminals, especially the gangs and drug cartels. I freely admit that I wouldn't use a fully automatic weapon, but not because I think we shouldn't have them. I think they waste ammunition because many of the bullets don't hit the mark. If I fire a bullet, something's going down. I don't miss what I'm aiming at, ever. So a weapon that fires one bullet at a time is more economical, and I can stop more the enemy. 
the pity about all this Second Amendment talk is that a lot of gun restriction talk is coming from Republicans. Rather than talk about restrictions, what needs to be talked about and acted on is the root cause of the modern-day problems we face, and we're going to do that shortly. Conservative celebrity John Voigt said that there should be proper testing for gun ownership, whatever that means. No, John, no one needs proper testing for gun ownership. If that were so, it would have been included in the Second Amendment. I want to be completely transparent of where I am in Congress, said GOP Chris Jacobs. If an assault weapons ban bill came to the floor that would ban something like an AR-15, I would vote for it. Jacobs said that he is supportive of a range of ideas, including proposals that would limit the size of magazines that people can obtain and increase the age one must be to buy an AR-15-style gun from 18 to 21. He also plans to write a bill that would ban citizens from buying body armor. I'm speaking out because I think it's something we need to discuss because I can't in good conscience sit back and say I didn't try to do something, said Jacobs, who currently represents New York's 27th Congressional District and is running for another term in the newly redrawn 23rd Congressional District. Jacobs acknowledged that speaking out for reforms largely supported by Democrats could harm his chances of winning re-election, though he does not yet have a Republican challenger. Congressman, you're a coward and obviously know nothing about firearms. An AR-15 is no different than a .30-06 semi-automatic deer rifle except for the way it looks. We need to pass common-sense policies like an assault weapons ban to stop these attacks, Democrat Representative Jason Crow said in a statement. There is a lot Congress can do to prevent mass shootings, assault weapon bans, better background checks, high-capacity magazine bans, added the Dem Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. Part of what some of us are still looking at is, is there a way to identify these individuals that have a propensity to carry out the shootings, GOP Senator Mike Rounds told reporters. It doesn't matter if there is, Senator, because anything you could come up with wouldn't be constitutional. The only one who spoke the truth was Representative Ronnie Jackson. He said, we have to address the moral decline in this country. Other less courageous politicians began saying the same thing once they saw that Jackson wasn't going to be baked alive and destroy his political career. Address the moral decline. Hmm, what a novel idea. Do you know why there's a moral decline in America? There are two reasons. The first is that the liberals have worked tirelessly since the early 60s to remove God from the public square. Once Democrats realized that goal, they celebrated it by officially removing any mention of God from their platform at the 2020 National Convention. And with God completely removed, something had to fill that void. I don't need to tell you how that void was filled. All you have to do is read today's headlines to see that. What's the other reason for the moral decline in America? Well, we don't have to look any further than Baltimore, which is where the USCCB is headquartered. At one time, even in my lifetime, the institutional Catholic Church was an arbiter of morality in America. 
Hollywood went out of its way to avoid offending Catholic sensitivities in movies. Priests were kept nearby as moral consultants for movie producers and politicians. Even though Catholics weren't particularly welcome as elected officials, the politicians would rather chew their own arms off than to offend Catholic voters. That all changed in the 60s. Before any of you say out of ignorance that it was because of Vatican II, I want to tell you that you're completely and utterly wrong. And once you've actually read the concealed documents in toto, if you still believe that, I'll happily debate you on it. But Vatican II is a discussion for another time. What changed in the institutional Catholic Church was the infiltration of modernists, the Lavender Mafia, and Marxists. The bishops of the USCCB not only quit teaching the faith, but they dumbed it down and actually suppressed things like belief in the real presence and the need for confession. Right now, I call on you bishops of the USCCB to repent. Jesus told us what's in store for you in Revelation 21.8. He said, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murders, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Every single bishop in the USCCB fits into one or more of those categories, and a few fit into all of them. So they either need to repent or invest heavily in asbestos pajamas. They aren't alone, though. Now is the time to repent of your own lukewarmness or face the consequences. In Revelation 3, 15, and 16, Jesus said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Listen to this very carefully. We're facing all the evil we are simply because we did nothing when we could have done something to stop it in its tracks. God knew before he even created Adam that this day would come. He knew then that he'd create you and me to be in this specific place at this specific time. Nothing happens by coincidence. Our existence in time and space was planned by Almighty God and planned for a purpose. The circumstances in the church and society demand that we do something as ordained by God. We must put boots on the ground and charge the gates of hell. Now, today, right this moment. Signing petitions isn't doing something. If they get delivered, the bishop will just ignore them. Calling the bishop isn't doing something. You'll never get past his gatekeeper, and he'll never learn that you called. Writing letters isn't doing something. Even if they make it to his desk, he'll probably just toss it in the trash. Even if you're lucky enough to get a response, his letter will consist of one or two pages of words that say absolutely nothing. I know. Been there, done that, got a closet full of t-shirts. Writing the bishop or calling his office and signing petitions might make you feel like you've done something, but in reality, you've done absolutely nothing. You have to put boots on the ground. What will make these bishops change? What will make them either resign or discover a backbone and make them do their jobs? Well, pain is a wonderful motivator. Change doesn't happen for anyone until they've suffered enough. 
Change is only brought about by pain and suffering. I'm not advocating physical pain. There are other kinds of pain besides that. You've got to get in front of your bishop's residence with signs and chants protesting him. You've got to try to get media attention so you can explain his various acts of misfeasance and malfeasance. You've got to expose his corruption and the corruption of others that he's covering up for. You've got to stop giving him money. Go to the Bogus Bucks page on my website and download them to send to the bishop. That's what I sent my archbishop just last week for his annual appeal. When you give your tithe to your parish, specify how that money is to be applied. The electric bill, the water bill, sacramental wine, candles, whatever. If you give to your parish otherwise, part of it will end up in the bishop's hands. The things I mentioned are just the tip of the iceberg, but they all inflict pain. You may never be able to inflict enough pain to motivate change, but if you don't at least try, you risk Jesus spitting you out of his mouth. If it's at all possible for you, you need to go to the Call to Action Conference in Detroit in August. You'll find the registration link in my show notes. If Catholics have any hope of returning the country to God, our families to God, then we need to match and surpass the intensity of the Marxists. It's impossible to turn on the news and not see another victory from the anti-family woke crowd. You cannot create any meaningful change by sitting back and just consuming podcasts and signing online petitions. Church Milton's Call to Action Convention is the blueprint for taking back the church and the culture. We've assembled a team of panelists that have unseated politicians, exposed corrupt clergymen, and saved the unborn, not to mention converted people to the one true faith. And now we are asking you to get involved. What you put into this is what you we'll get out of it. So please sign up at cmresistance.com and we'll show you exactly how you can begin to change your local community to be God-fearing, pro-family, and true to our country's values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of true happiness. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Daily Wire. The U.S. Army has indefinitely suspended Lieutenant General Gary Voleski, a retired three-star general, and launched an investigation against him after he sarcastically commented on a pro-abortion tweet by First Lady Jill Biden. Voleski works as a contractor advising senior military officers and other staff. The tweet for which Voleski is being punished mocked Biden for accusing the Supreme Court of having stolen women's rights by overturning Roe v. Wade. Glad to see you finally know what a woman is, Voleski tweeted in a reply. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to the Daily Wire. Virginia Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin in May ordered all state workers to return to work by July 5 after the government had allowed many of them to work from home to avoid the spread of COVID-19. Since Youngkin's announcement, over 300 Virginia bureaucrats have quit. Well, that's a good start. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. 
Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to the Daily Signal. The White House on Friday touted a new jobs report as proof that the Biden administration's policies are healing America's economic crisis. The administration did not, however, mention one key metric. The uneven unemployment rate, with conservative red states beating out liberal blue states in job growth. The Daily Signal reports that red states have added 341,000 jobs since February 2020, while blue states hemorrhaged 1.3 million jobs through May. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number number two. Hats off to Breitbart. The number one issue in America's heartland isn't inflation. It isn't the January 6th committee. And it isn't the war in the Ukraine, writes Joel Pollock. No, it's the right of parents to oversee their children's education and to control the curriculum. Pollock came to that conclusion after speaking to area locals during a recent trip. Even liberal parents, who want schools to provide a safe and tolerant environment for students to express their identities, also do not want radical ideas and inappropriate materials imposed on their kids. That's what I'm talking about! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to the Catholic World Report. Voters in Kansas are preparing to vote on a pro-life amendment in less than a month. The Sunflower State will be the first to place abortion on the ballot after the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Do you like to write? Would you like to learn to write? What if I told you that anyone can learn to write and build a six-figure income as a result? I'm talking about copywriting. The sales letters you've read, the radio and TV commercials that you hear and see, and virtually everything you see online from asking for donations to selling things was written by a copywriter. And those jobs pay big. The American Writers and Artists Institute, or AWAI, will teach you everything you need to know to be a highly paid copywriter. Then, after you've completed their comprehensive course, AWAI will even help you get your first high-paying client. And this is a perfect career for stay-at-home moms because you can work at your leisure from your internet-connected devices from anywhere in the world. Learn more by clicking the link in my show notes that says American Writers and Artists Institute. Do it today. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. 
many modern-day Catholics seem to want to pick and choose what to believe among the church's teaching. They apparently think that only what they like is true and what they don't like isn't. This is how Protestants think, not the way Catholics are supposed to think, but I believe the reason many modern Catholics believe this way is because they don't understand the true nature of the church. Unlike the churches of our separated brethren, the Catholic Church is not founded by mere men. Ours is founded by Jesus Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, God himself. In Matthew 16:13 through 19, we read this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It was at this event when Jesus announced the foundation of his church, the Catholic Church. And as history alone proves, there was no other church until the year 1517 when Martin Luther protested against the Catholic Church and gave the world Protestantism. During the three years of Christ's public ministry, he performed many miracles and used them as an avenue for teaching the good news to the children of Israel. Those three years were also the apostles' seminary training. Jesus ordained them incrementally giving the apostles more and more power and authority as they went along, especially St. Peter. Giving the apostles authority established the magisterium and the hierarchy of the church. As Jesus gave them more authority, he also gave them an understanding of that authority and what it means to believers, that is, what it means to those who profess belief in Jesus Christ. Jesus made many wonderful promises to those who believe in him, but he didn't make those promises without conditions, because he's not a divine lottery. He'd be neurotic to be a divine Santa Claus if he didn't require certain things as a condition for the good things he promised. Speaking at another time in Luke 10:16, Jesus told them, He who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Jesus also said in John 12, 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has a judge. The word that I have spoken will be his judge on the last day. Then the last time the apostles saw our Lord alive, after the resurrection and just before he ascended to the Father, He told them, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The apostles clearly understood that they had the divine authority of Jesus and that Peter had the supreme authority as our first pope. 
Peter's authority and acceptance by the apostles and other bishops of the infant church is proven at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, when Peter made his decision about whether to insist upon the circumcision of Gentile converts. There'd been a great debate over the issue, but when Peter made his decision on the matter, all the assembly kept silence, as it says in verse 12. From St. Peter to Pope Francis, we have a record of every single pope in the succession of pontiffs for the chair of Peter. It has always been understood, from the event in Matthew 16 on, that Peter and his successors had the ultimate authority in matters of faith and morals. Jesus made it abundantly clear that we must accept all that Peter teaches through the church built on him or pay the price with an eternity in hell. The Second Vatican Council was a marvelous work of the Holy Spirit and much needed for the church in modern times. It was both a completion of the work of Vatican I and a preparation of the church for modern Catholics to live and share the faith in the rapidly changing world. Unfortunately, there were those within the church who did their level best to destroy her from within, and they continue to do so today. It's inevitable that they would fail, but one of the things they did manage to do was dumb down catechesis and how it was conveyed to the young so that Catholics born after about 1955 have been left largely ignorant of the faith. As a result, today's religion teachers continue to teach a watered-down version of Catholicism to students, but out of ignorance rather than malice. There was a time when all Catholic schoolchildren had to memorize the acts of faith, hope, and charity, something they prayed daily for the rest of their lives. The act of faith is especially telling of a Catholic's obligations to believe. Oh my God, I firmly believe that you are one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths that the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because you have revealed them who can neither deceive nor be deceived. In order to call ourselves Catholics, we're not permitted to dissent from the official teachings of the Church. To do so places us outside the communion of the Church and places us in grave danger of eternal punishment. We can't dissent from teachings about things like contraception, homosexuality, same-sex unions, and sexual activity outside of the bonds of matrimony or even the ordination of women, the current biggies in society. If we dissent from any single teaching of the Catholic Church, whether openly or in the silence of our hearts, we reject Jesus and his church. This puts us in a state of grave sin, and anyone who does this compounds sin by committing the additional mortal sin of sacrilege each time communion is received. Communion is a Catholic's right, but only if the Catholic is in a state of grace. By its very nature, rejecting any of the church's teachings places one outside the Catholic Church and in a state of sin that takes away the ordinary right to receive Holy Communion. Even worse, unrepentant cafeteria Catholicism can result in only one thing. He who does not believe will be condemned. Those are Christ's words, not Joe's. Due to the bad catechesis of the late 60s through the 90s, many Catholics dissent without realizing they're in dissent. 
In using a parable to explain the outcome of this anomaly, Jesus said in Luke 12:48, "But he who did not know and did what deserved a beating shall receive a light beating." Even though some dissent out of ignorance, this passage explains that punishment is still meted out. There is no escape. If one chooses to remain a cafeteria Catholic, then the honest thing to do is become a Protestant where they believe however suits them rather than how Jesus teaches through his church. To remain in one's obstinance can lead others to reject Christ's teachings as well. And those persons guilty of leading others into such rejection, Jesus said it would be better for them to have a great millstone hung about their necks and cast into the depths of the sea. For those who adhere to dissent, out of ignorance though, the remedy is to learn all that the Holy Catholic Church teaches and live those truths. If you want to learn the fullness of what Jesus has taught through the constant 2,000-year teaching of his church, click on the link in my show notes that says, I want to learn more about the Catholic Church. Everyone searches the internet to solve problems or fill needs they have. For many of you, I've already done the heavy lifting. Discounting the evil things searched for online, people generally search for things that tell them how to make money online, health and wellness products, and trading and investing. Some are interested in having their own podcast. I've got your back on these things. Visit cantankerouscatholic.com. Go to the episodes page, then click on the title of this episode. Below the podcast player, you'll see my show notes. I've already listed products and services in various groupings. Check them out. You can help yourself and this apostolate at the same time because if you like what you see and purchase the products or services, this apostolate will get a small commission. Check out those links today. Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He said, Humanity in crisis is generally insensitive to the gravity of the times in which it lives. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. When Jesus was a little boy, his blessed mother took the greatest care of him. There's a legend that every night when Our Lady put the Holy Child to bed, she placed his clean clothes and spotless sandals beside his cot. One morning she was puzzled to find his saddles and the hem of his robe dusty and spotted with mud. This happened several times, so the Blessed Mother decided to watch. Next night she saw little Jesus rise from his bed, put on his clothes, take a candle, and start down the road that went past their cottage. All night long he walked the highways of the world and looked for souls. From house to house he went seeking men's hearts, searching for souls. At dawn, his candle still flickering, he returned wearily to bed, 
his sandals dusty, and his heart heavy because so many men had forgotten God. Jesus still lives with us in his little tabernacle home. He searches for souls to love him, but most pay little attention to him. Till the end of the world, which may be soon, he'll go about seeking souls, drawing them by the power of his grace. Never refuse him your love, because as your Savior, he deserves it, and you owe it to him. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It. 